0: Risk Chats with a firm. I'm your host Paul Marshall. Today we're speaking with Jackie Poney Lazarek from USDA Rural Development. She's the Chief Risk Officer. And we'll be focusing on the importance of communications for a enterprise risk management program. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today we have Jackie from uh, USDA. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, and we're happy to have you here today and we thought we'd talk a little bit about uh, your role over at USDA, uh, but also I think our main topic for today is just communication and we'll really get into some uh, details, but I think that's a, that's a good topic for today. So if you don't mind, Jackie, just give us a little bit of your background and what you do over at USDA.
1: Hi, I'd be happy to. My name is Jackie Ponte-Lazarek and I am the Chief Risk Officer for USDA Rural Development. We're an um, agency who d- provides loans and grants and technical assistance to rural communities across the country. And we have a portfolio of about $240 billion that we manage, and we, we um, lend about $28 billion each year.
0: Wow. Okay. So I'm sure there's some uh, definite uh, risk areas that you all have to <laughs> consider over there, all that kind of volume or size. Um, So yeah, so tell us a little bit about your kind of your philosophy on uh, how communication makes a successful program for risk management.
1: Yeah, when I when I uh, took the job as the risk officer, I was coming out of uh, 12 years of running programs, Mm -hmm. and one of the things that I felt was really important was that we we make sure that everyone at every level in the organization understood why we existed and what value it might bring to them. Right. So communication was a cornerstone of all of our planning from the very beginning Mm -hmm. and we've kept that going for the last two years and I think it's helped us along the way.
0: So when you started off did you actually come up with a a plan or something formal or was it just something you knew you had to incorporate communications into this?
1: Well throughout my career I've I've held a lot of uh, senior jobs and whether it was you know running policy shops or you know doing IT efforts you know we always had a communication plan so um, it felt natural to create one from the beginning Um, it evolved over time but um, it included a variety of methods to communicate with staff and and really kind of understanding um, why and when we needed to be talking to various parts of the agency Mm
0: -hmm. so And for USDA, so did you all start from the top or start from the bottom approach? You know, what was the...
1: Yeah, I think most uh, ERM stand-ups start with their senior executives. And in our agency, before I was hired, our uh, senior leadership had done a series of kind of get-to-understand ERM, Mm -hmm. which was nice in the year before. So there was some general knowledge that this was coming and what it was. But my colleagues... um, you know, when I left the ranks of running programs and moved to the wrist shop, really wanted to understand better what it meant. Mm -hmm. Um, And we did. We started with the senior leadership. uh, And we, um, at the same time, began efforts to create messaging products for the general staff. We have a pretty active staff. They're very interested in what's going on in the national office. They're distributed all across the country. And so we began uh, with a series of webinars for them. Just to, uh, and we use those same webinars with little modifications for uh, senior leadership, then for the managers at right. the, at the uh, national office and across the field, and then for staff. And one of the things I really liked about what we did was we were able to make them interactive and we collected data about their understanding mm-hmm. throughout the presentation and at the end. We, we asked them. Did you understand what we talked about? And they were honest with us. Some of them said they didn't, but it allowed us to recalibrate each each time we did a new webinar. We would incorporate that feedback in and see if we could get those scores a little bit higher.
0: Right. So I'm 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 wondering uh, what were some of the things that folks didn't really understand is it some of the lexicon or just uh, the concepts or what
1: so one of the things that uh, i i drilled into you know i started it was just me me and my assistant and a couple of contractors mm-hmm. um but as we brought some folks on you know the most important thing to me was that people could understand what it was right. i find the biggest mistake we make as practitioners of erm is we use all of the lingo and right. these are people who are professionals and they're smart folks, but they don't have the time to learn our lingo. So we put everything into regular words, right? right. straight talk, and try to put it uh, in, a, in as easy and understand format as possible. And so when we talked about the risk taxonomy, we just talked about buckets of risk. How are we gonna talk about risk and what buckets are we gonna put it in, right? When we talked about the lexicon, you know, we said, this is just our terms. This is how we're gonna, you know, here are the words we're going to use Mm -hmm. and you're gonna help us define. They understood definitions because they write regulations. This is your definitions portion of your regs. So they, they got those things. So we took extra care in the beginning to really put it in their language so they didn't have to become experts in ours
0: right and i i like the fact that you have that feature where people can actually you know go to your web page and provide feedbacks directly yep. so and do you find that people provide just questions or is it actual risks they'll put in there i mean what, what kind of things are you get
1: it's a little mix of everything so we did create a sharepoint site with a a place for them to learn more about what we were doing but we also have a a real quick little forum where they can submit a question, a comment, or a risk. Mm-hmm. We have gotten some risks through that site, and um, one of the things we've asked at each of our outreach events, or just when we're talking to people, is if you raise a risk, please provide as much information as you can. And we have an attachment button so they can upload documents, and right. they are. Oh, wow. They are.
0: So um, I wanna go back to something you had, I talked to you before, you mentioned uh, an analogy a a parlor. Oh yeah. Explain that a little bit. I thought that was a great analogy for communications.
1: Thank you. Yeah. You know, when I I try to explain to um, others what I do, I I often will say to them, my job is to get my programs in my agency to invite me into their family room. Mm -hmm. And And they always kind of tilt their head and I say, well, look, I I grew up in a house. My mom had a front room that was clean. We were five kids in our family and nothing else was quite as orderly as that front room. And it's where she received visitors. Mm -hmm. That was the place where no pets, no kids, no nothing could go into that space. Um, And that is where as agencies and programs, as we're running things, when when people come in to assess us, that's where we take people. Mm -hmm. We want them to see our best self when you're trying to from the inside in an enterprise risk management program uh... help programs identify their risks and fix them address them or lean into them whatever it is they have to show you where the toys are strewn out or where they have you know a basket of laundry it's that back family room that you want to get into and to get there they have to trust you you have right. to be invited
0: so right and, and that's something i think Folks really want to know how to do, I mean, so what was your approach to get invited back there to get that information, you know?
1: Well, you know, um, I had an advantage um, in my position because I had come from the program side. So I knew a lot of the people. I had built relationships with them. Um, not everybody did. Trust us sure. coming in. Not everybody wants to take you to the back. I still have some some program areas who, who worry. Um, it doesn't mean I don't know what's going on in those program areas because we have data and we look at things. But right. we continue to work with them. It is a long-term game. The idea is to build those relationships, get them comfortable, and continuously show them that you can provide them value. Always, always, always show how you're going to help them.
0: Right, right. So, um... So as far as formally putting together, you know, your risks and gathering them, because you're, you're pretty, you know, you have folks all over the country, I'm assuming, all over the place. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's a communication issue, but how, you know, what mechanism do you use to gather all the inputs that you need, you know?
1: We've used a variety of them, and, you know, we're evolving. We're only, you know, just shy of two years old, mm-hmm. so we're, we're evolving. Um, in our first year, we did a lot of survey work and a lot of outreach. We did, you know, I... Traveled, there are a variety of trainings that are hosted uh, by program areas, or we have a great uh, employee association. They host zone meetings and annual meetings. And we just tried to merge in wherever there were gatherings and right. talk to people and document from there um, and then begin to follow up in pursuit of things that began to show trends. We did have a formal survey process and um, this input through the SharePoint site. And, we, and then we did our own analysis. We looked at our audits and we looked at uh, data we had and, and from that we began to shape our risk register. Uh, as we go into the next fiscal year, we're looking to um, firm up that um, cycle a little bit more and use some other tools. And so we're doing that planning now and we're learning from others who, ha- who have it, um, who have other ways of collecting. And that's one of the things I've really appreciated about Uh, the ERM uh, community is that it is it's a group of us who are all kind of in the same boat and willing to share so openly and so we might have something that we might do really well that others you know would like to hear about and we're certainly asking um, to learn from others as we go through the process too it's been great. Very good. So
0: uh, another question about communications, do you find that, is it a different approach for executives versus, you know, staff or what, is there, is is it different or is it both, you know, we need to show the value, you know, how you approach it?
1: I I think you always have to show the value. Uh I do think that they have different concerns. So, you know, I think ERM is as much about uh, empathy and diplomacy Mm -hmm. as it is about getting to the facts and getting those risks out in the open. So, I think if you can put yourself in their shoes, whoever they are, Mm -hmm. understand the pressures they're under, understand some of the things they might be concerned about coming to light, um, then you can have those conversations with them and really make them feel comfortable about it. Some of them will still be uneasy. I mean, it is a scary thing to put your wrists on a piece of paper that you think might end up somewhere where somebody could, you know, take action against your agency or for goodness sakes end up in the press sure Um, I find that our agency is full of really good dedicated people all trying to do the right things with whatever resources they're given Um, and so you know having that understanding explaining to them what your purpose is and being there and and living what you're telling them right if you tell them you're going to keep something confidential you must keep it confidential you have to Of course. right and I I think people forget that sometimes
0: right so i, I think also I'm, i want to talk about your role in, in the agency and how that has helped you to you know get the buy-in from everybody so yeah. can you explain kind of your report who you report to or what that organization looks like
1: sure so when this position was created um, the then undersecretary decided that it needed to be an ses position which is great mm-hmm. um, and that it needed to report directly to her right that that gave it a weight that um, helped the ERM stand up from the beginning. Mm-hmm. It was clear it was a priority, it was clear it wasn't going anywhere. Um, with uh, OMB then following suit with their requirement for ERM and the agencies, it just kind of gave it that extra push that it needed. Right. Um, I think when you take that and um, even, even with that, you still have to work those relationships. Because at some point there's turnover. We had a transition of administrations, and the new administration. I'm lucky has been, you know, fairly supportive of the process and has made decisions based on the risks we found. Um, but it's a it's a different construct, a different structure, um, and so we just we keep at it.
0: Right. So, and that's the fact that you're you know positioned that way makes things you know definitely. easier for you so but what how would you describe your who's in the risk council, so to speak
1: yeah so our enterprise risk management committee is a cross-section of career staff and political staff Mm -hmm. and it starts with the um, assistant to the secretary who's now the head of our agency um, her chief of staff and her our COO Mm -hmm. Uh, our CFO myself uh, we have a new chief innovation officer so that Mm -hmm. person is also uh, in the room and then we have uh, two career SES program leads and two uh, political appointee state directors who rotate uh, on the committee in two-year cycles mm-hmm. and um, i trying to remember if I'm missing anyone I don't think <laughs> I am uh, it's grown from 8 to 11 okay. with the new administration because we added an innovation officer oh the CIO was added as well Oh, good. Yeah. and um, And the idea was that, you know, these folks, when they come to these meetings, they are not representing their state, they are not representing their program. They are looking at the enterprise and trying to figure out what's the best thing to do. To have the CIO and CFO in the room is helpful because they know what the boundaries are are in terms of technology and money. Um, But their job is to also look as broadly as they can across the enterprise to figure out what's the best way to address things.
0: Right, so when you're having those meetings, at that point, are you really seeing, here's some actions we need to take, and, you know, or, or are you just kind of going over the, you know, the list? Here's the list, but where are we on each list, or each item, I mean?
1: So it depends on the, the meeting, and actually, mm-hmm. um, this past year, we presented them with the um, risk register before we got together. Mm-hmm. We use a tool called Decision Lens, okay. and we queue up all of the risks, and before they go in, uh, and in that tool, they can rate and rank the risks. Before that, we offer them uh, the opportunity to, on their own, just read through all of the risk cards that we develop, which is, you know, description of the risk, and mm. then before they rate and rank them. Or we do, a, we do multiple sessions where we just walk through and let them ask questions, kind of kick the tires on the risk and what data we have, and, um, and then they go in and prioritize. I also have a, a second group, and it is consisting of all of the other career SESs mm-hmm. in the agency. They're my SES advisory group. They shadow everything that the ERMC does. And it serves two purposes. One, I always get the lens on where people think the priorities are for the people who are leading and running the programs beyond the ERMC. Uh So I get that pulse there. But it also keeps them trained up because they will be rotating on to the committee at some point. So when they merge on, it cuts down on training time and, and that transition. Um, and so when they get to the committee, we're showing them the results of the rating and ranking, and then, and then we talk about it. We look at the anomalies, we, we figure out whether or not this is really what we think it ought to be, and uh, the session we just had before we finalized our risk profile, the committee decided which were the top tier risks, which were the second and third tier risks, and then we assigned leads. For response we decided right. which were the top four that needed response mm-hmm. um, in the short term and um, now we'll be working with the um, the risk owners to develop the teams that are going to actually dig in and, and do the more detailed risk response
0: right so since you have that you know, that level of folks in the room are you starting to see uh, ERM coming into play more on budgetary decisions strategic decisions
1: it has and it and um, you know I don't it's a little chicken and egg Mm -hmm. I don't know that it was ERM that drove it or that their processes drove it for us what was a helpful piece was that um, you know we had a reform effort that came through from the new administration right and um, because we had our risk profile uh, pretty well finished at the time we were supposed to be developing reforms you know and I had f- flagged this for our uh, acting uh, undersecretary at the time and said, We really should think about building something beforehand so we have mm-hmm. some ideas. And the leadership decided they wanted to go about it f- with the risk shop facilitating. So mm-hmm. we, we used that as an opportunity to develop reforms that would address the risks we have and developed a paper there. So when the new administration mm-hmm. came in and, and was actually asking for deliverables on ideas, we had. Not only ideas, but they had been thought through from an operational standpoint and from a member's standpoint, and that was really helpful. Um, we've done uh, a lot of work to make sure we are integrated into the budget right. process. Mm-hmm. We, we, you know, we we've just stood up a new uh, IT investment review board process with our new CIO, mm-hmm. so we're integrated into that. Um, inst- and it's not we're on we're on the committee. Uh, but we also have uh, in there when they submit someone submits an investment there's language that says is this a risk is this addressing a right. risk right. Um, and trying to integrate in those ways so yeah
0: that sounds like you know a very smart way to you know to make this successful to integrate risk management into all these different initiatives and things that come up yep. it's not just oh there's this ERM shop on the side over here we got to do these activities you're really truly integrating
1: Yeah. We don't want to be a separate function. They have to, they're busy enough. So this week we went back to our, we had done a kind of a grid on the wall. We were refining that and it layers in all of the different processes and work that our program leads have to do throughout Mm -hmm. the year, including their regular program work, budget work, performance management work, all of that Right. figured out that we actually can do fewer committee and ERM meetings if we integrate into the meetings they're already going to have mm-hmm. and try to sequence when we had to have deliverables to support those other efforts. So that's what we're doing going into um, next fiscal year is is really trying to figure out and then, you know, reach agreement with all our colleagues who are the other leaders of these efforts so that right. we're all... We're all going through the cycle together, mm-hmm. but at different times each of us will lead a different piece of it, it's just we're all sharing as we go along. I'm hoping it'll work right. <laughs> um, and we're going to try it. I'm fortunate, I just I have great colleagues and so people are open to it even if they're crazy busy, we're going to try to make it work and we'll see.
0: Right. Well and you know you've said, um, you said know, we want to be integrated with things that are going on and you want continuous contact with folks as well. Um, what are some other initiatives? I, th- I think you mentioned something about um, when I talked to you before. You're also involved in some of the and when the audits comes around. You know. Oh yeah,
1: so my shop um, um, inherited the audit liaison function. We didn't start mm-hmm. with that. Right. My, my original position was only the ERM function. Mm-hmm. So we now have continuous process improvement and the audit liaison function mm-hmm. in the ERM shop, and it's great. It works out great because we're looking at those audits anyway. But one of the things that we have been able to do as we look at how we can better serve the programs on the audit side is show them that value um, that we can provide as a staff and Mm -hmm. building those relationships in that way. So um, all of us have been through audits and it's a lot of work. It takes you away from your your regular day-to-day work. Anything that can help you get to closure or get through the process easier is welcome, and so for my staff, we we uh, set a new standard of service this year, and we are providing assistance in drafting statements of actions. We're doing hard reviews on on draft reports and really offering them a different lens to see what a reader might see, not just the yeah. technical corrections they might be looking for. We're we're giving them a little more advanced training and some tips and tools, and really advocating for them in that process. And that's been helpful mm-hmm. to us um, as we go through and, and build those relationships on the ERM side.
0: That's great. Because um, I'm also I was also wondering, you know, how do you, you know, such a large agency, how do you keep up with the most recent things that are happening or risks that may be emerging? I mean, do people come to you? Do you have to go out and find these things, or how do you, you know, keep up with that?
1: Uh, A little bit of both, although we've we've been fortunate. If Hmm. people are worried about stuff, they come and talk to us. And that was, you know, we set, and I didn't bring it with me, but I should have, we we, uh, set a series of kind of core values for our office, Mm -hmm. which is our commitment to the programs. When I started, I said to them, one, I didn't want to create work that they didn't have to do, Mm -hmm. that we would try to minimize the impact on them from the work side, two, that we would Always, always, always be focused on getting real results, something tangible. Or, right. Or there was no purpose to us being.
0: Something else I wanted to ask you about was, uh, you know, now you've been, the program's been going on for how long at
1: USDA, I'm sorry? Two
0: years. Two years, that's right. Okay. So, you know, what, what do you see as the, the next big thing or evolution of the program you'd like to, to put into place?
1: Uh, so for us, uh, next big thing is really building our capacity mm-hmm. in our shop to do more data analysis for a small shop. Um, our agency is standing up a data analytics shop and we hope to be a customer of them but we really need to kind of build out what we're able to do in-house this year we're also working on um, firming up the risk response methodology and making sure there's standardization across the agency as we're as we're doing these things
0: right okay so so you actually do a lot more actual and analysis of data, not just depending on folks to send you things in. I mean, you're doing yeah. more proactive things.
1: Yeah. Yes, and we're we'll be doing a big. You know, we're we're a bank, so we're looking at the portfolio itself mm-hmm. and trying to th- figure out if the factors that we look at now in the portfolio are enough to identify those risks that might be emerging or that we might not be aware of. Right.
0: Okay. Well, uh, and also I think you mentioned, um, as far as back to the communication. So, if uh, you have some things you could share with others, or ideas, or even just a matrix or a plan for people that could use.
1: Yeah, when um, when we began to look at how we might communicate, we we made a grid, and um, I'm a rows and columns kind of gal, mm-hmm. so. Um, you know across the top we looked at things like who who is the audience for the communication we have why are we talking to them what's the purpose for it um, what level of content do we want to have for them mm-hmm. um, you know is it uh, um, you know kind of high-level content or is it much more detailed how often you know what's the cycle right how, and the frequency, and then what delivery method would we use? Mm-hmm. Is it an email? Is it a webinar? Is it you know in person, right. just talking to people? Um, and then along the other access, we, we listed who we needed to be talking to. There's right. senior leadership, right? But there's also program managers, there's staff in the field, there might be the Hill, That's right? right, right. Uh, in my case, my job was created through language in, on the Hill as well, mm-hmm. and so, um, there's a loop back there and OMB and others to make sure they understand what we're doing why we're doing it and what's coming out of it
0: right okay well then uh, that's something we might be able to have a link on our site and sh- sure give, give people a nice little template to look at that'd be great absolutely okay well Jackie I appreciate you coming out today and th- this was great I, I was uh, very happy to hear, hear about USDA what you guys are doing and I think these communication techniques are essential for these programs to be successful you have to talk to the, the right people constant contact and as you said, demonstrate value. So thanks okay. again for joining us today.
1: Happy to be here. Thank you.
0: Well, that's our show. Thanks for tuning in. We have many more podcasts coming up soon. Also, the Affirm Summit is coming up. Hope you can attend. And until next time, this is your host, Paul Marshall, signing off for Risk Chats with you